This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. the Lord has a counselor? No. (laughs) Who knows his mind? We don't know. Because if you could figure God out, that's a small God. Your small brain could figure out God, then that's a small God. Let him know to know the mind of the Lord, who put all things together. The scientists are still trying to figure out. God put it all together. I would trust in the Lord. He knows more. Have you ever met a know-it-all? They think they know everything, and they talk as if they're an expert in every topic. It's kind of annoying, right? It's important to show humility and admit when we don't know or understand something. Pastor Eddie teaches you in today's message that God's knowledge and power are way beyond what you could even imagine. Have you humbled yourself before God? Have you entrusted your life to the one who truly knows it all? Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 as he continues his message, By Faith They Overcame. writer of Hebrews here speaks of two times where the children of Israel were known for their faith going through the Red Sea and now skipping the 40 years because they didn't have faith there. There was unbelief. Now Jericho Josh, in Joshua chapter 6. And what happened? The Lord tells him, okay, you're going to take over. You're going to conquer Jericho. But Jericho has these walls, these massive walls. There are two layers of walls. It was impossible to penetrate it. It was impossible to climb it. And so the Lord said, this is what you're going to do. You're going to have your seven priests. You're going to have seven trumpets and the Ark of the Covenant. And for six days, you're going to go around the walls of Jericho. You're going to march around once for six days straight. Go around day two, go around. And on the seventh day, you're going to march around seven times. And seven times from there, you're going to blow the trumpet and you're going to make a shout. Now, Knowing me, if I was there, I says, Lord, really? That's how we're going to win the battle? You know how thick those walls are. We already eliminate the element of surprise because we're shouting, right? How are we going to, we're shouting. Uh, I think let's do this secretly. Don't you think so? Lord, I got a better way. Why don't we just get a bunch of ladders, just go over the walls, and, you know. I mean, if you think about it, it's ludicrous. It's ludicrous. How are you going to defeat, how are you going to take over Jericho? How are you going to penetrate the walls? I mean, the military experts who study battles and wars, they're not going to adapt this. Hey, you know, we're going to war. Yeah, why don't we do like they did in Jericho? You know, let's just go with trumpets. Put our weapons aside. And it's weird. This method is weird. But by faith, they obeyed the Lord. They did exactly as the Lord said to do. And guess what? The walls came tumbling down. The walls of Jericho came tumbling down. It's important to note, though, that this is not a military victory, but this is a spiritual victory. 
And that's why when we, we start, you know, looking at ways that may seem the right way, intelligent, or we get experts, but we forget about God's way, and we try relying on experts, guess what? We have all the technology in the world, right, to heal people. We're still sick. We have all the universities. We're still ignorant. Man always thinks that they have the right way. They don't. Though it may seem strange, God's way is always perfect. And when, especially when you're going to battle, we need to trust the Lord. You know, we always think we know better than the Lord. God, I think you got it wrong. <laughs> I know you created heaven and earth, but you know what? Listen to me, the Lord. I got a better idea. Yeah, okay. That's why I keep getting into trouble, right? That's why I need a savior. That's why I need the Lord. And we think that our battles, you know, it's beyond flesh and blood, right? That's what Paul tells us. He wrote the church of Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. He says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness and in heavenly places. And you know, this is important because we too have been battling and we've been outside the walls. There may be walls around your heart. There may be walls between you and your loved ones, your spouse, your children, your in-laws. Sometimes we put up the walls. And it is by faith that these walls will come down. It's not by therapy or counseling. Man's ways have never been right. But it's by God's way. And though it may seem weird, it may be ludicrous. And you may have your friends say, really? Is that? Yeah, it's strange, but I'm going to follow the Lord. God knows best. And we see how God works. It's like, it doesn't make sense, but you be obedient. And you find, wow, the Lord knows. He knew exactly what to do. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, the prophet Isaiah writes this, for my thoughts, this is the Lord speaking, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Always remember that. Because when you think you know more than God, what happens? You tend to act upon your experience or your wisdom, the little wisdom that we have, right? And when you move forward, God steps back. God steps back. Because we mess it up. And then we got to go back to the law. I tried. Well, I told you, right? You crashed into the wall for the fifth time, and now you're coming to me. The Lord knows his ways are better. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. Romans chapter 11, verse 34, it says, For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Does the Lord have a counselor? No. (laughs) Who knows his mind? We don't know. Because if you can figure God out, that's a small God. Your small brain could figure out God, then that's a small God. Let him know to know the mind of the Lord who put all things together. The scientists are still trying to figure out. God put it all together. I would trust in the Lord. He knows more. So remain faithful to the Lord and believe that by faith 
If you have any walls between you and your relationship and your family, you know, by faith, these walls can come down. And so by faith, the children of Israel trust in the Lord, follow the Lord, and the walls of Jericho came down. We now move from the children of Israel to the next hall of faither, and is one of my favorites, actually, um, Rahab the harlot. It's amazing that an harlot, a Gentile harlot, she's not Jewish. Rahab is a Gentile woman. She's a harlot. And she's mentioned in the Hall of Faith. Two great reasons. Two great reasons and it hits me every time. When I know, when you know who this woman was and how God used her. She's in the Hall of Faith. Let's read. Rahab. The verse 31 says, by faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe. When she had received the spies with peace. Now, the writer of Hebrews is writing this time also in the Old Testament. And this goes further back. Before the walls of Jericho that came down, there were two spies that went to Jericho and they came across Rahab. And so Rahab heard and knew of these two. So she kind of hid them, protected them from the king of Jericho. It's amazing. She wasn't there to see the nine plagues that set the children of Israel free. She wasn't there to see the walls of the Red Sea part, but she believed. She believed. It was her faith. She believed without seeing. And so it's what she says. She says, I know that the Lord has given you the land. Listen, I know you're taking over Jericho. And she went on to say, and we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites. She knew of their reputation. It's different today. Today we have anti-Semitism, isn't it? That's opposite, right? You know that God worked with Israel and the land of Israel and the people of Israel. But she knew it. And here's what she said. This is what kind of seals it all up right here. In Joshua chapter 2, verse 11, she says this, For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Wow, what faith. Never experienced what the children of Israel experienced. Never saw the miracle and the supernatural things God has done, but yet she believed. So we have a Gentile heart in the hall of faith, but there's a second thing. That blows my mind. I know it's going to blow your mind too. The second thing about her that included her in the hall of faith is that this Gentile harlot, Rahab, was the mother of Boaz. Boaz begot Obed. Obed begot Jesse. Jesse begot King David. And who came from King David? Jesus Christ. Think about it. Rahab, a Gentile harlot, is in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. You don't believe it? Read Matthew chapter 1. She's listed there. So the Messiah, the Mashiach of the Old Testament, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, in his genealogy, is a Gentile harlot. That's beautiful. Because it shows that it doesn't matter who you are, where you came from, it's where you're going and who you believe in. Jesus Christ, God changes. Behold, I make all things new. When you come to Jesus, it doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter your past. When you come to the Lord, you have a new beginning. That's what the word says. You know, 
Behold, I make things new in Revelation, right? We are new creation. When we come to Christ, we're new. The old has passed away. Behold, things are new. You are new in Jesus. It doesn't matter. Yeah, you might have a record in the court. People may remember what you have done. But when you come to Jesus Christ, you are new. You have been restored and you have a new life. It doesn't matter what your past is. And here we have Rahab by faith, a Gentile harlot, a woman. And now, not only she's in the hall of faith, but she's in the genealogy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the comment's important, the genealogy. Sometimes we read the Bible and we look, oh, these just named this person. We got this person, this person, we got that person. No, it proves, it proves. Listen, it goes all the way down to Adam. The genealogy of Jesus Christ goes all the way to Adam. That's why the genealogies are there. From Adam, and then you go to Genesis chapter 5, there's a genealogy there before the flood, Noah. After the flood, Noah, it goes on to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. It goes to David, and it goes all the way to the New Testament, and there is the Messiah, Jesus. There is no book in the world. There is no town hall that has city records of citizens. And you could do your genealogy through whatever DNA. There's nothing more accurate than the Bible. Nothing. Nothing. Adam, all the way to Jesus. And in that genealogy, here we have as a woman, by faith. It is by faith. That's what changed her life. And so, the harlot Rahab is in the hall of faith. Now he's going to... Before he continues on to mention some names, and I'm glad that he kind of got Rahab there first, he goes on in verse 32, right? He goes on to say, he gives this rhetorical question. He says, and what more shall I say? What more shall I say? For the time would fail me. The time would fail me to mention any more. It's not like he ran out of examples of godly men and women that we can find in the Bible. Men and women who showed great faith. It's not like he ran out of examples. He's running out of time. Because he's closing the letter here. And now he's just going to throw out names here. And because we're studying the word of God, we're going to look at somebody's name. I'm going to give you a little bit of background of why they were known for their faith. So the writer of Hebrews just writes a name, of course, because he's writing to Hebrews. It's a Hebrew. It's a book of Hebrews written by a Hebrew for the Hebrews who were tempted to go back from Christianity into Judaism. And he's letting them know they knew about Gideon. They knew about Rahab. They knew about all these people. But So he's just throwing out the names. But for, for the sake of our study, we're going to look at some of the background. So he says in verse 32, what more shall I say for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon now Gideon is the fifth judge of Israel you'll find his story in Judges chapter 6 through 8 by faith Gideon obeyed the Lord and why was he known by faith <laughs> another military <laughs> battle to give him battle so the Lord tells Gideon you're going to war you're going to battle okay and you know they're going against the Midianites. The Midianites had 137,000 soldiers. 137,000. That's the Midianites. Gideon had only 32,000. What are the odds? But wait, God's not done yet. He said, Gideon, you have too many men. And I can only imagine Gideon's like, God, you know numbers. I think 132,000 is a lot more than 32,000, and you're saying I have too many men. And the Lord kind of brought it down to over 300. You're going to go to battle. You're going to fight 132,000 Midianites. All I need is 300, lest you get the glory. 
military experts would not even study this one either. As a matter of fact, on a side note, if you, even the military armed forces, when they study battle and war and the history of wars and, and battle, they do not study Israel. Nobody does. Because they went supernaturally. Not only in the times that we find recorded for us in the scriptures, but even after that. You go back into 1970, 1967. You go even further back. For example, I remember I met one of the commanders who was in a tank during the Yom Kippur War. And you go to the northern part of Jerusalem, Israel, and you find the Galat Heights. It's called the Valley of Tears. You'll find some of the Assyrian tanks kind of banded there. It was a bad war. You know, they kind of lost a lot of people there because they got pretty prideful. And this is coming from the mouth of our tour guide who was born and raised in Israel. It wasn't the military. It was a messianic believer. But there were times where they wanted to do, Syrians wanted to do a sneak attack, actually. And in that attack, they got into their planes, their jets. They were getting ready to attack Israel without letting Israel know. They didn't sound trumpets God's way. But anyhow, they were going to attack Israel. And as soon as these pilots were flying over, just before they made it to the border of Israel, they all started to fall. And what they discovered was there was beehives in the cockpits. So as soon as the plane went on, it kind of got the queen being a little bit mad, right? Story after story, there was a time where some of these IDF soldiers were trapped and they knew there were landmines. They couldn't go for just like the Dead Sea. They couldn't cross over because they couldn't find a landmine. By the time they try to find the landmines, they would be caught or they would explode either one. They couldn't go. It's just like when the children were caught in the Dead Sea, right? What happened? All of a sudden, this wind blew. This wind, strong wind blew. And it just unearthed all the mines. And they saw every single one. And they were able to walk around it. You see, and that's the way God works. And it's recorded for us. These events actually happen. And that's why we can't study it. But, you know, that's exactly what we see with the children of Israel, Gideon, 300, that's all the Lord needed. And they were able to win that battle. And then Barak, and you find him in Judges chapter 4 and 5. And his faith was that he was going to go to battle on the condition that Deborah the prophet would be with him. And so he trusted in the Lord. He believed that God was working through this prophet. So it was by faith he went. Then you have Samson. How many know Samson? We know as the strongest man, right, in the Bible. Well, you know, he was strong, and we have a lot to say about Samson, you know. And I would read it if you have a chance. Read the story in Judges chapters 13 through 16. And he was mighty. He was mighty with the men, but he was very weak with the ladies. Very weak. But in spite of what he's done and how he failed, he is known for his faith. He was known for his faith. And that kind of encourages, it should encourage all of us in spite of who you are. And how many times we probably, you know, offended the Lord, you know. Hopefully we repent and we, we're right with the Lord. But is the faith that the Lord looks at. But here you have Samson who was one who had a lot of strength. He killed a lion with his bare hands and killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey, which is the most ugliest bone you could ever see. All bones are not pretty, but that's it. But that was, he did that. He was able to kill a thousand Philistines. And at the very end, his hair was cut. Delilah, you know, got the secret. His weakness was women. What happened? 
You know, he killed more Philistines by destroying the temple, uh, pulling down the temple of Dagon and killed more Philistines he ever did in his life. But it was his faith and his strength, which is important. And I think we need to understand this. It was not his strength. It was the strength of the Lord. Ultimately, his strength came from the Lord. And we need to understand that because quite often we think that we're able, we're capable. I could deal with this, Lord. I don't need you. I'm going to take my eyes off you now. And I don't have fear, but I think I can handle this on my own. And guess what happens? We stumble. And then now we come crying to the Lord. Don't allow that to happen as you follow the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, Paul writes, be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might, not your strength. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, 13, it says, I can do some of the things. No, I can do all things through, not by myself, but through Christ who strengthens me. Our strength comes from the Lord. Always remember that. Always remember that your strength comes from the Lord. Then we have Jephthah. You find him in chapter 11, another one. He's considered an illegitimate son because he's the son of a harlot. And here you have one who has, again, it's not your background. It's not the life you live before the cross. It's the life you live because of the cross and after the cross. You see, quite often we say, oh, well, you know, I have deep-seated stuff. If you only knew my past, God doesn't care about your past. I had an individual tell me, you know what? I think it's important that you know my past. And I said, wait a minute, you believe in Jesus Christ? Yes, okay. You've been born again, and I can see the fruit, and I see hella conversations that you know the Lord. But he says, but I think you need to know my past. I said, listen, when we come to Christ, it tells us that he would never remember our sins. He would remove our sins as far as the east or the west. And I'll remember your sins no more. Who am I to remember? Who are you to even mention it? You've been forgiven. Unless you have a testimony going along with it. No, not really. So then that's it. I don't really care. Because God doesn't. You've been forgiven. You're a new creation in Christ. It doesn't matter the life you live. If you have a criminal record, you had an addiction, it doesn't matter. It's just like the harlot. It doesn't matter your past. The enemy wants you to remember your past. And if he reminds you of your past, like they always say, you remind him of his future. (laughs) Okay? Because one day he will be destroyed. But it's what God has done for you now. And so Jephthah was one who was an illegitimate son. He was a son of a heart. However, because of his faith, he was able to deliver his people from the Amorites. Then we have David, and we all know David, King David, right? King David, you find his story in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and all of 2 Samuel. And his faith when he went against Goliath, you remember, in the Valley of Elad. It was funny because we went to Israel. We went to this valley, and that's one of the good things. When you go to Israel, you go to these exact places where these battles took place. And according to the scriptures, and they find this is the same place. You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie's been digging into the book of Hebrews in a series called Jesus is Better. This book touches on so many amazing things, but really ties in the Old Testament covenant with the new. The author mentions the importance of the high priest and the sacrifices that were made. But the point is that Jesus became the high priest and also the sacrificial lamb for all people. Isn't it amazing how Jesus fulfilled all that was in the Old Testament? It's because Jesus became the high priest that now we can go to him for our strength, our courage, and our hope. 
Another way to come to God is in prayer. Jessica wants to tell you more about this. Prayers for this ministry would be so appreciated. The opportunity for the lost to be reached over the radio is incredible. So please pray for our listening audience and that what's shared will alter people's lives forever. Another way you can support us is by prayerfully considering giving in a financial way. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into producing this program. And we're grateful for all who are willing to come alongside us to support the creation of each program. If you feel led to do this, you can find a Give tab at runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. While you're there, you can find all sorts of information about Calvary Chapel of Milford. And if you're in the area, we'd love to have you come visit on a Sunday morning. You'll find service times and directions on our website, runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks for listening to Running the Race.